0: hi welcome to walking the path i'm going to be talking to people who are on a spiritual journey who want to share with us their experiences about what they have found on the journey so if you're interested in spirituality and how you can embed it into your life come and walk the path with me i'm delighted to welcome this week musa yeah. askari who is my who is a friend of mine on facebook who i've been following his pace, so i've been stalking him for a little while but i do like what he posts about. So welcome, Musa. Thank you very much for joining me tonight.
1: Um, oh, very kind of you, Chris. Thank you.
0: You're not shy about your spirituality. You post about it quite regularly. So could I ask you, please, was this something you always grew up with, you always had ever since the beginning, or did you come to it later in
1: life? Well, good evening, Chris. Thank you again uh, for, for inviting me. Um, it's um, a difficult place, really, to to answer that question in some ways, because it's like picking up a thread. You don't know where to pick it up from at the mm. either end or somewhere in between. Um, so it's a thread that's run throughout my life, really, consciously, probably since the age of 16, something like that. Um, I'm in my early 50s now, and um, maybe unconsciously prior to that, in in just uh, my outlook, I suppose. I, I I couldn't be sure, but consciously since the age of 16, spirituality has been a very... Dominant factor in my life, and that's chiefly due to the influence of my own teacher and, and father and friend, late, 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 late father Sayyid Hassan Askari, um, who was an interfaith dialogue pioneer, Muslim interfaith dialogue mm. pioneer from the early days of the interfaith movement um, in, in in the late 60s and so forth, which brought him to the West. We migrated to 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 to, to the UK when I was. Uh, pretty young, yeah, and, and grew up in that environment. So, yeah, I would say consciously since my early mid to late you know, teens, as it were.
0: Okay, so you mentioned your your late father as being a spiritual teacher and an interfaith minister. One of the things I ask all my, my guests is about the influences on their lives. So, and I know his influence has been great with you. Can you tell me in, in what way he influenced your, your spiritual practice?
1: I think I would begin with... Reflection, really, you know, asking me indirectly or directly through the work that he was writing to reflect, to question, to not take things for granted and to just be inquisitive about life, I suppose, Um, which led me to quite early in those early years to to start writing, you know, poetry, you know, Mm -hmm. um, sharing that with him and posting it to him and so forth. And that became a sort of tutelage, you know, in exchanging ideas and thoughts. So very early, the the idea of soul, the soul discourse, um, names such as Plotinus and Socrates and Plato from Western philosophy, and Rumi and and, and Shums from Eastern philosophy, started to become very common in my thought processes. Um, the influences was was on reading, on reflection, and then that led me to uh, be, for it to become like a way of life, really. Chris, you know, that there was no stopping and starting yet the journey had begun
0: yeah okay tell me Moussa what um how you would define spirituality because um obviously you're from an eastern heritage and I'm from western heritage um, I'm just wondering about the differences that may be between the two I think you're probably ideally placed to comment on this having an interfaith background as well
1: I I, I went to a uh, catholic school um, mm. in my upbringing uh, in the UK, secondary school. While my father was teaching um, philosophy, uh, Islamic studies, Islamic philosophy and, and, and history of religion, uh, he'd had a sociology background and moved into myth- mysticism and, and, and philosophy of religion. So while he was doing that as his vocation and his own spiritual life, I w- went to the local school, which was a Catholic school. There was, there was no question about going anywhere else. That was the school, that was local, okay. and, and, and we applied to that, and all my parents did, and um, every week there was mass. I became conscious of Christianity through Catholicism and, and practices of Catholicism through the uh, rituals of the mass, of taking wine and bread, Nothing, something that I didn't do, but mm. the uh, priests would often say any who are non-Christian, as it were, to come forward and receive a blessing. And, and you could put your arm on your shoulder as it would identify um, that's what you were asking. And, and I was sorely tempted on many occasions to just stand and walk. But I think I didn't, well, I didn't do it. And, and I think I regret now I didn't try or, or go further, but I suppose it was teenage embarrassment and, you mm-hmm. know, being standing out. I wasn't, you know, there weren't many Asian or Muslim children that I could identify with or see in the school. But it was good to observe it and hear it. So that was my intake uh, in that level. But at home and and throughout my upbringing, it it was Islam. And uh, it was um, the spirituality of Islam, of of turning towards one God and oneness silently at night or through ritual prayer Um, and, and, and the scripture of the Quran, as it were. So for me, the Bible and the Quran were interchangeable. You know, yeah. they they were uh, they weren't you know to be kept separate, as it were, in, in my thinking. And I think that was influenced chiefly by my father's outlook, because for him, scriptures talk to each other. There's a dialogue already happening, and and um, the interfaith spirituality within Islam and, and the Quran sort of led that path quite easily for me. So yeah, I I think the influences were there, but I wasn't. Manifestly outwardly practicing it. You know, I, I would interchange, I would dip in and out of practices. So, no, by no means was I an Orthodox, as you would call it today, and, 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 and outwardly practicing. But those practices are very powerful, as they are in Christianity.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, it's very interesting to hear that you went to a Catholic school because I know from experience in the Midlands that uh, the church schools are the favoured ones for, for, for Muslims. Um, if there is no Muslim type school, then they will send their children by preference to a church school because that is where faith is taught. And there is also the, the thing about um, Islam and Christianity also being one with uh, Judaism in the Ab- Abrahamic faiths,
1: mm-hmm, which I think
0: is a point missed a lot, an awful lot. That we have more in common than that which divides us as, as faiths. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah that, yeah, that is very interesting. I can relate completely to, to the thing about the mass because um, I remember going to a Catholic mass, which was said in memory of, um, I don't know how to describe her, but I used to work for an organization called the Richmond Fellowship, which um, works with adults with moderate to severe mental health problems. And she was a resident at one of the homes I worked at. So, And she was a terribly wounded woman and died sadly um, so I went to a mass for her memory and I too struggled with whether to go up and receive a blessing. And in the end, I didn't. And i I'll regret that to this day because uh, I've had blessings from Muslim clerics and from Hindu clerics, from uh, all other faiths. And uh, they mm-hmm. are truly powerful. It's some sort of, I forget what, the, the, they have a name. <laughs> I forget what the, what the name is. In in, Bre- in Reiki, I think we call it Reju. It's something it's mm-hmm. Um, a, a spatial boost is the only way I can describe it. And it really does give you a, a, a bit of a kick, if you like, into the sort of the next level. So I, right. I do regret missing that
1: myself. I think practices or witnessing practices of spiritual activity, are either to the participant or to the observer, something overflows, really, you know, mm. and, and it's like observing a river sometimes. It could be flowing very smoothly and someone on the bank uh, feels nothing from it, but the but the beauty. But sometimes the river does burst the banks, mm. and that is the spirituality of the person or the community. Uh, either in protest or in an act of prayer, can overspill, in, 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 in a, you know, can have ramifications. Uh, I mean, for example, in in the Quaker tradition, in the the, the silence, you know, mm. sitting in silence, deeps deep silence. You're observing, and yet you are part of it. You know, yes. you're doing both at the same time. That is very powerful um, you know, on the occasions I've, I've observed it or taken part. And that resonates very deeply in in, in in the Islamic tradition for me in terms of um, Sufi mysticism, of deep mm-hmm. remembrance, of prayer, um, of recital, which means speaking out loud. You know, the Quran literally means recital, to yes. recite, to say it out loud. But to sit quietly in contemplation uh, is not unique uh, to... The Quaker faith uh, tradition—it um, it crosses over. So I think in those places, in those kinds of areas, there's a lot to be learned, and that—that that to me is—is is the threshold where spirituality becomes mystical. You're mm. entering another area now. But to go back to your your earlier point, uh, if I recollect, about what spirituality means mm. to me, mm. I think it's important. I say quite straightforwardly, it means many things, but one of the most fundamental things it means to me is is a relationship between the inner and the outer, you know, between the inner life, and I don't mean biologically, You know, I mean your inner psyche, your thinking, beyond your mental activity, as it were, um, a contemplative state or level, um, your inner life, which is happening all the time, um, consciously or unconsciously, and your outward expression of that, and your outward relationship with the world. And, and for me, both are, Spiritual, the manifest world and the hidden world is part of one uh, psychic whole, as it were. Mm. Um, But the inner for me is always the higher, you know. Mm. Um, I don't mean the outward, the manifest nature and beauty is lower. I wouldn't call a branch lower to the trunk. It would just call it a manifestation, an expression Mm. or an extension Mm. of it. So Mm. very spirituality is a relationship between your inner and outer life. And beyond that, overlaid with that is a relationship with your identity and what you think about your identity as a person. And and if I can be quite uh, prescriptive uh, for this moment, it would be uh, straightforwardly as your name, your ethnicity, uh, your religion, obviously, um, your background, uh, your date of birth, uh, your family history, all the things that give you a sense of identity, let alone place, in terms of geography, yeah. but your sense of identity of who you think of yourself, even memories of pain and suffering and uh, great elation, um, successful at work or education or otherwise, I think all of those identities added together. For me, we are something more than that, also, and and to go into that world or that kind of exchange. It involves, A, becoming conscious of those identities. They're very difficult to become conscious of. Some are very automatic. And B, um, having become conscious of them, to know which ones to, to, to push forward and others to hold back in, mm-hmm. a, in a dialogue. If I'm meeting somebody for the first time, I, automatically, I suppose, now over the course of many years, I'm not inclined to explain everything about my background. Mm-hmm. I would rather that just came out naturally in a conversation. Mm. That for me is better than. Uh, so, conversation and dialogue is also spiritual. I, d- I know I haven't answered your question uh, emphatically <laughs> but, uh, because it's so difficult, but but I hope I've given something towards it.
0: Yes, I, th- I think you have. Did uh, I can't remember what I mentioned in the, in the episode I did for me of this one. Mm. Um, but when I do the um, daily meditations on Facebook, mm. I always start by, com- by saying that let-, let us come into our I am presence. Which is, to me, this is the part of us that is connected to everything else in the universe. And to me, that is the, the base. This is who we are, have been and we're, we're, and always will be. Hence the, I, my use of the word I am.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is what I think is the spiritual part of us that exists outside of any identities we may have assumed in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you follow that?
1: Uh, yeah i'm, I'm yeah. following you yeah okay. um i'm following you um but i'm i we may diverge a little bit mm-hmm. yeah um i would expect that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's my that's that's my little pet rabbit you can hear probably I so, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I think that first of all i am is a profound statement mm. uh, uh you know saying it consciously is even more profound mm. and and um, it, it, it's something you would say on pilgrimage also mm. when, when you arrive at a certain point, you know, oh, Lord, here I am and nothing else. You know, whatever I am is is, is of yours and from you, as it were. Yeah. Um, but th- this this connection with spirituality, with nature, I go to it to this extent. Um, and just to take a little s- sideward step. First of all, for me, I should have said earlier this. When I say spiritual, I mean non-material. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I I'd I'd yeah, I'm I'm very cautious or nervous about giving a material uh, power as it were. For me, spirituality is non-material, um, which goes on to talk about soul, as it were. Um, but in terms of connecting with nature, which is material, yes, there is a sense of awe when you experience nature or it it experiences you or embraces you. Um for example the prophet of islam uh, peace be upon him would before any revelation had even started would would be retreating into the desert you've heard mm. of that phrase yeah um or 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 that movement and and that was a withdrawing into nature to behold you know the universe as it were something deep is going on uh, in, in the psyche and soul of any individual uh, let alone a prophet to be uh, in, in time to come. So I think there is a great relationship with nature to be had all the time. And we are part of it. We cannot escape it. And our reverence or respect of nature has waned and look at the climate crisis we're in. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's a direct relationship. Some people would call it, you know, exploitation of capitalism and, and all kinds of things. But yes, spirituality is a definite component of the world. A despiritualization has led to a deconnection yeah. with, with, with nature and the climate crisis, definitely in my opinion. Um, But for me, spirituality supersedes or goes beyond the natural world, Mm. Um, but bringing it to more intimate nature. um, And I was thinking about this a great deal before we we, we had the conversation started this evening. Um, If I want to connect with nature before I even walk into a a forest or, or go to a park, Right now, in my own home, in my own desk or table, all I have to do is concentrate upon my eye. You know, my optic nerve, mm-hmm. all my senses. These to me are nature. That allow these tools allow me to connect with nature, to observe it, to inhale it, to take it in with my eyes, um, and, and what it does to me, and what it means is something you know different in myriad ways to different people. But for, instantly, for me, I think about my five senses. I don't go looking for supernatural powers because I believe our five senses are absolutely remarkable mm-hmm. you know and, and, and um, obviously because of impairment and disabilities different human beings will have different capacities and powers of those senses um, and I don't mean there's a superiority to it I just mean the very ability to cognize and see and behold and you know material things even is a remarkable thing to me mm-hmm. you know um, for me that is spiritual also uh, the sense of touch or the fragrance of something could send someone into an ecstatic state. It's, it's, yes. it's, 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 it's possible. Um, and, and we've heard about such things, I'm sure. So, yes. yeah, I just wanted to overlay our conversation with that sense of a deeper mystical um, dimension.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes. And so I lied to that because I, I did do a bit of stalking of you. <laughs> okay. I know you have a, a website which is about spiritual humanism. Um, hmm. could you tell me more about that, please? I haven't had a chance to sort of go into it in depth, but I I, I saw that and I thought, well, that's a very interesting concept. Um, I must remember to ask Musa about that tonight. So uh, please explain what's what your concept of spiritual humanism is.
1: Yeah, um it's my father's really. So the, there is a book he co-wrote called Towards a Spiritual Humanism. yeah have it here oh, to show you okay um but um uh the website is a dedication to him you know the blog it yeah. contains his writings his work my own writings and reflections and interviews i've done with people uh so spiritual human is 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 a short form of spiritual humanism mm-hmm. but the human i ourselves you know i would consider ourselves not only to be material beings and and, and sociological beings and you know religious beings but spiritual beings and spiritual humanism so you know Spiritual human is a reflection of that in terms of the website, but also as, 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 as an entity that we are spiritual. And spiritual humanism is, is, is a coalescence of or a coalescing of um, ideas where people of interfaith spirituality and secular spirituality should dialogue and uh, find a way to coexist um, in terms of ideas and continue talking to each other. So spiritual humanism is, is a plea to people of faith and non-faith who have calls for justice and harmony and peace in the world to collaborate and work together consciously and spiritual humanism very importantly not allo- only with that seeks to promote interfaith dialogue beyond a mere exchange of information about religious studies as it were you could mm-hmm. do it in school or in a college or university mm-hmm. we could do that ourselves through self-study but interfaith dialogue in terms of human beings conversing with each other to such an extent where dialogue becomes a door to transformation and you become vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You are willing to transform yourself with the witness of the other who has a different tradition, and different outlook. It may be a glimmer, it may be a flicker, but there is something. So for me, dialogue is that potentiality. And this is me basically echoing or channeling my own father's words and thoughts. So I claim no originality about it whatsoever. Um, But it's an experience of working with him and talking with him and observing him and my own uh, work in that personally. So for me, dialogue is that and spiritual humanism is unashamedly promoting that between individuals saying, don't just meet face to face, but meet being to being, as it were, and, 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 look to abandon things that you held tightly because of the witness of the other person who gives you something different or a different perspective, not just a different point of view, but you're willing to be transformed. Um, and, and, and that is wholesome, positively transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, the other dimension of spiritual humanism is, is, is a categorical affirmation of the soul discourse, um, dialogue about soul, to say that we are not only materially sitting here, but also we are as souls sitting here. Um, invisibly, impartable, intangible, immaterial. Um, I look for no scientific evidence of it because the proofs that I'm looking for are invisible, intangible also. Um, and just to sort of connect that, because I thought we may go in this direction. I have a quote, if you allow me to read,
0: sure. uh, yeah.
1: uh, from, from my own father's writings which basically goes to the conversation we're having here. So I thought i yeah. I'll pick something that you and I uh, could relate to. Yes. Um, it reads like this, and it, it's on the chapter that he's dialogue. It, the book is a dialogue between two individuals. And the chapter is a discourse on soul. So that's and one of his sections concludes with this. And he says, this is Hassan, Hassan Askari. In my understanding, for two human beings to communicate, we need a common ground of being. And this common ground of being is not metaphysical in the sense of God or the Godhead, but in the sense of principles which are imminently available between two human beings. Therefore, for interpersonal communication, we need an ontological parity which transcends social hierarchy, which transcends class, which transcends race, which transcends disparity of power and even knowledge. What is the ontological ground of parity between, say, a a psychiatrist and a patient, between a teacher and a pupil, between a humanist and a believer, between a skeptic and a man who is convinced of what he believes. And he concludes, so irrespective of the contents of consciousness, there should be a principle which holds two human beings together. That principle is of the soul, which is both one and diverse between them. We need the idea of soul to resolve the mystery of dialogue between God and man and woman. So we need the same idea to explain self-communication and communication between two human beings, a principle which is both in them and which transcends them, end quote. And I would just add to that. So, for example, I'm sitting here in, in this room, in this location, and Chris, you are sitting there. Mm. Um, we are not physically together, mm. but yet there is a sense of togetherness temporarily. You know? yes. and, and the technology is allowing us to have a window into that. In fact, I would go further and say that sense of togetherness was invisibly there, which led us to talk to us tonight to have an invitation for dialogue, or a sense yes. of togetherness. So yes. that intangible togetherness has been manifested in this. Um, and I'm just using that as an example, but I do mean that sincerely, that mm. without this sense of togetherness, how are we even talking between us, um, is the way I would put mm. it.
0: Yeah, the, the way I put it, and it's... Every time I do this interview, it it shows me that it's the right thing. Modern phrase, I guess, is the vibe attracts the tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. the everybody that I've spoken to, um, I speak to them because of the connection that existed beforehand. Now, whether you, some people from the Western tradition might call it a soul family, mm-hmm. um, other people might might say that well, it's, it's because we're part of the one overarching great soul, mm-hmm. um, which I think was one of the ideas that came out of that that reading. I guess it's called the Atma, isn't it? The yeah. the great soul of the universe. Um, um, and when we die, we return to that great soul. That's another another system of thought. Um, but my vibe for this podcast has attracted the tribe of people that are that tend to agree with me (laughs) and I do find that uh, I end up agreeing with what people say amazingly enough because what why is that I'm not here for an argument I might be an area isn't I love arguing but I'm not here to argue and yet people are free to do that if, if if they wish and I'm free to disagree with them and they're free to disagree with me and I always find that we agree (laughs)
1: Well, I I think it's interesting that you mentioned Atma there, which is the Vedantic uh, tradition, Mm. the Sanskrit word for soul. Um, And in the Islamic tradition, the word for soul would be Ru. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I I omitted, because it's just become automatic in my thinking or unconscious, and I should become more conscious of it, is um, part of my upbringing has been the background in which I grew up, which is the Indian tradition. I was born in India. Uh, I still have very strong and clear memories of, of my early childhood there, and um, returning many times uh, uh, in the intervening years. Um, you see, in India, you've got multi faith—you know—at um, a level that's, uh, you know, almost unseen in, in in many places. You've got many yes. traditions, many faiths, um, many languages. Um, and and cultures uh, interweaving each other. Um, Interfaith uh, spirituality is a way of life uh, in India generally, although in recent years uh, with with news that we hear of of terrible polarization, Mm. um, and I won't say further than that at this moment, but we can all look into the news, it's Mm. quite distressing. Mm. Uh, And obviously even despite that heritage, the conflict and tensions that went on in India due to partition, and what led to that and what led after that is 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 tragic really so my mm. father said he had a choice to go to pakistan uh, after partition and he chose to remain in india mm. as a muslim in a society was not predominantly muslim mm-hmm. because yeah. diversity and interfaith was staring him in the face and he had to be there you know there was no yeah. other choice and he accepted that diversity and i'm so glad he did because mm. that 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 trans- translated into my life yes uh, poured into it. So it continued here when we moved here to the UK because mm. the UK is is uh, you know very diverse and I'm glad about that.
0: Yes. Yes. Um talking about uh, diversity of faith um well as, as you know we're teaching Reiki master and what part of the studies no, I undertook in, in Reiki showed me about Japan and where it where it originates from. Um, and it is possible there for one person to have three faiths and none of them um clash with each other they could be a nominal christian if you like and do the christian ceremonies the, the baptisms and marriage and funerals all as christians they could have and they can do the ancestor worship of shinto the ancestors which is which is fine or that and they can adhere to the sayings of confucius all three mm-hmm. different belief systems in one person and to, to us in the west that is just not done you know if you want to do things like that you you know you can't do that you have to pick a faith or none um so that that's that was something that brought me um a completely different perspective i suppose christians would say oh that they're picking and choosing they're taking the best bits from all of them and i thought to myself well why not (laughs) Um, and there are other religions like santeria santeria in South America, which seems to be a blend of Catholicism and mm. the animism of the um, that was there beforehand. So,
1: I, I think the, one of the problems with 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 that um, eclectic approach is the fear is from the orthodoxy you could mm. say of any particular tradition is it's it could be seen as a mark of disrespect. You know, saying mm. you are diluting our seriousness. Um, And there's something to be said for that, to to some extent, I'm sure. Um, And also the lack, the acquisition could be in return. Um, You are, your discipline is not as serious as someone who's following a particular, one Mm. singular approach. Um, So I think that there are critiques. For me, the issue would be the individual who is doing that. Uh, I, you know, dipping in and out of different traditions and learning what is the purpose of their quest? Are they on a quest? Mm. Or is is it simply a superficial lifestyle choice? Um, And I think it's very important to be critical of that because if it is a lifestyle choice, then you air into areas of cultural appropriation, which can be very disrespectful. Mm. Um, But if it is a quest, of spirituality, of deep longing, that what they're searching for, they see traces of the same truth appearing in different Mm. flashes, then I think it is a perfectly, you know, innerly legitimate uh, conversion. See, I'm I'm, I'm very skeptical, or I can be skeptical of outward conversions from one religion to another. Mm. Uh, I'm not as much interested And again, this is from my father's influence, in whose numbers are going up and whose numbers are going down in terms of number of followers of of, of a faith. You know, X 1.7 billion, billion, know, 300 million, whatever it is. For me, spirituality is not a numbers game. It's a more singular approach to universal truth that's accessible to all, you know, Mm. as a general loose weight. Now, someone listening to this conversation that we're having here would say, This is so vague, it's un- I'm getting <laughs> nothing from it. And I say, Welcome to spirituality. Yes. Because that, that is, you know, you, you, there's nothing wrong with uncertainty. The, because if the scientific endeavor, as it is, and, and as the rational endeavor, is to be doubtful, to use doubt in a creative way, to quest for scientific truth and explore and make life better materially then I'm equally using doubt, self-doubt, spiritual self-doubt for greater understanding. Mm. I see no reason to hesitate. I don't think doubt is a problem. I think how Mm. do you challenge that doubt? How do you move forward with it? Um, Doubt is a good tool, you know, even in religious, uh, I mean, under religious dogmatic conditions, doubt is your escape route, you know, if if things Mm. are dogmatic and you have so rigidness there's no inner spirituality. It's just completely outward manifestation, one after another, literal following. Mm. Um, there are problems with that uh, psychologically for any individual who, who wants to walk out of it. So, doubt yes. is, is an escape, is a release valve, an escape clause. And hopefully, you, need, you, you get support to explore that.
0: I, th- I think you're quite right. Um, spirituality is, for me, primarily an individual thing. And that's, that's why, hence the title of the podcast, Walking the Path, because, as I say to my students, it, this is your path and you must walk it. I can, o- can only give you signposts or instant tips or things to look at. In the end, what they make of their spiritual life is up to them. And this is one reason why I started the podcast, because I wanted my students and, and the followers to... Um, Get as many varied perspectives on the spiritual path as they could, so they could see um, what there is out there for them. So, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, so was um, what are you currently looking at on your spiritual path? Um, what is developing for you? If you like, mm-hmm. we've talked about how you got to this point, more or less. Um, how do you see your your path? Um, panning out in the future?
1: Um, that's a very, very important question and um, I'm somewhat nervous to answer it in one sense. Um, just before I d- and only dip my toe into that question, I'll yeah. explain why briefly in a minute. Um, just to go back a little bit to the, to the point you made a moment ago about um, telling your students it's your path, you must find your way. I, I think that, you know, it, it, I, I would go along with that. But with one rider, which is the tradition I know about and, and, and the, the spirituality which g- gives me inspiration also is the Sufi mystical tradition mm-hmm. of Islam. Um, and and uh, in that tradition, uh, whatever guises it comes in, generally uh, a, a, a novice who is not uh, fully developed as, as, as a teacher or a master in their own right, are looking for teachers, mm-hmm. much like a samurai would look for a, a greater samurai to teach yeah. and then take their own path. Yeah, so eventually the samurai must go on their own way. You know, the end of the seven samurai, the, the famous movie from Kurosawa, yeah, they're all but they come together, they act together, and then they some perish. And, and, and the ones that survive, they don't stay together, they go back on their own singular path. Mm. Um, and, and obviously that, that movie was so influential, it influenced you know, Western, Western movie for, for in many ways, it still does. Mm-hmm. But so the samurai tradition, you know, the mystical tradition leans into that. But the Sufi tradition is, is you are looking for a, a guide and um, you may stay with that guide for many years or when you have outlived the teachings of, of that guide, the guide will say to you, I can offer you no more. I mean, there is an, even in a teacher, there's inner humility saying, I can only take you so far. Yes. And, and there's no arrogance about that. You now need to move on and find another teacher. Yes. And, and the wandering begins again, as it were. The homelessness begins again. It may be you're living an outwardly absolutely normal life, quote, unquote. You're going to work, you're doing your job, you're earning your money, I'm not saying you're escaping to the hills, but in some people, you know, in, in, in prior times, would leave their homes and, and, and travel mm-hmm. and look for teachers. Same thing with the Hindu tradition, the Vedantic tradition, as Buddha did, leaving yes. his princely estate, looking for uh, a teacher, eventually finding that he was always the higher yes. teacher of the one he met, and 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 so on, um, until his final teacher was Mother Earth, when he put his hands on the ground under the Bodhi tree and so forth. Yes. Um, But equally uh, or in parallel, in that same continent, in that same place, Islam has flourished where uh, a Sufi novice will look for a teacher and the teacher will take them so far Um, and then say, as you said, you find your own way. So there is this coming together and then separating with greater knowledge and coming together again. For me, I was very, very fortunate. I didn't have to take one step outside my mm. house you know and my teacher was already there yes uh, the journey i had to and, and uh, forgive my uh, you know forgive my indulgence in saying that in, in that way but um yeah my teacher was already there i was born into the family and here we go um uh so i feel very i've never shared this with anyone so chris maybe it's because of our dialogue i can feel freely to say it but I, I have been saved from much wanderings in the past by having, you know, now, there were other people who met my father who'd been on their own particular journey and came across him and, 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 you know, I observed. In fact, I learned a lot from him to some degree, a lot more than engaging in dialogue with my father than, a, than by, you know, obviously by observing him in dialogue with other people, whether he was giving lectures or students used to visit our house or I used to see him at university. Um, or, or, or wherever, I learned a lot just by listening and observing him interacting and other people interacting with him. Um, in a way, I became a student also, a stranger. Mm-hmm. There were moments where I became a stranger in front of him, and that was quite frightening um, in terms of just, not in conversation, but in just to just direct, I don't know who this person is. I've known okay. him all my life. Yeah. I know his face. I know his voice, but the things he's saying never heard him say that, you know, who, who, so there's a mystery that comes about even in familiarity. And that for me is a really good breakthrough. So personally, I was saved a lot of time in that. Um, and going forward, coming to your question, I don't know is my honest answer. And um, whatever it is, I hope I am up to it.
0: I think it's a very good answer, actually, because um, uh, it indicates that you're open to whatever is coming to you. Because Inshallah. I, Allah, as Inshallah they say. I, um, I do feel that um, the universe provides the lessons you know, that, that we need in order to ascend or develop whichever, whatever word you want to, to use.
1: Hmm. But, I, I think what's important to me is is... I'm I'm conscious not to disappear into such abstractness where I'm ignoring the pains of the world generally day to day. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's an indulgence that to some extent uh, we can't afford at this Mm -hmm. moment in time. Yes, in your own private reflection, in your own private silence, you withdraw from the world. You know, in Islam, the Quran encourages you to, outside of the structures of formal prayer, to find that solitude in the middle of the night and remember God and that could be in silence it may not even be uttering a prayer or, or a verse from from the Quran or whatever and so there is that requi- um, encouragement to I mean there's no compulsion in, in religion as this Islam says and I wish that was remembered a lot more yeah. um, but there is that encouragement to find your own solitude and, and, and escape from the world or the troubles of the world we all need that mm-hmm. but it, it would be an overindulgence uh, par excellence for me to take that solitude back to the next morning when I have to do my job mm. and not engage. Or when I turn on the news or walk about my community when, when I'm able to walk about after the pandemic, God willing, um, to, to not notice the food bank queue mm. or to not notice um, key workers who are now, you know, the great spiritual teachers of our time in one sense of their own sacrifice now we shouldn't they don't want to be called heroes they just want to be respected and and so be but we should notice the injustices in the world we should notice the people who are um having poor conditions in terms of their day-to-day work um and and not so far abandon ourselves from the world to think nothing to do with me then what does this mystical connection with the rest of humanity really mean if we cannot engage and and deal with social justice and social suffering? And one last thing I would say, and and I'm conscious I I do want to say it because of the moment in time that we're talking, I think if we believe in a universal spirituality, a greater interconnectedness through all the outward identities for a more peaceful world, we know if there is a key point to to spirituality, which is to make the world more peaceful, then I think that for me personally, the apex of that is that that unity and that greater goodness, you have to really take all the way to the top in in worldly affairs to some extent and question the very existence of something that can destroy humanity in a flash. And I'm talking about the nuclear weapon. And if you're following me on, as you are on on social media, I've been commenting on that lately At the horror of that. Um, That's the unconscious terror we sort of live under and we never look in the face of it Mm. because we're told to fear the other. Mm. Well, I I think that that is the complete antithesis of the universal spirituality that you and I are Mm. hoping for or praying for along with millions of others across the planet. That's such a, weapon exists you know I'm not going to the politics of it or the geopolitics which is another issue but something is there right now in our world as we're talking where a food bank exists and nuclear weapon silos Mm. exist I don't know what that means but it doesn't make sense to me no it doesn't chime with my spirituality whatsoever no forgive me sorry
0: no no you're right um I know we, we share a lot of the same political viewpoints but uh I would just, before before we do close up, I would just feed mm. um, to you something that from my own childhood that um, I was taught a, a hymn. Um, and I only remember one, one line of it, but it has stayed with me my whole life. And that line is, God has no hands but your hands. And we have to, you know, if spirituality means anything to us as people, we have to act on it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now it has Mm -hmm. to guide what we do in our lives Um, in whatever way whatever manifestation that is and if spirituality is to bring about peace to the world or to improve the world in whatever way then the only way it's going to happen is if we do
1: it Indeed, yeah and and, and I think that act of uh, solidarity or the act of uh, dealing with those uh, injustices through good works or challenging it or protesting against it the person standing next to you in that protest it, it makes no difference to me who who they believe in or which faith they follow or none we are both standing there for, for, against the same injustice and for me for that moment at that instant that is humanity that, that that is more than enough you know what what? and then we go our separate ways you know and and, and, re, and re-meet again I, I i am worried if i'm honest with you chris about it's a criticism of, of, of spirituality, I suppose, generally. Uh, and, and this is not particularly isolated to the West or just across the world, I suppose, is this inclination towards a lifestyle choice, you know, mm. of, of, of an accessory to everything else that you do. Here's mindfulness. Let's commercialize mindfulness, mm. you know, uh, I worry about that. And also, because uh, I think that's that's an abuse of, of mindfulness and how yes. it started. Um, uh from a professor i was speaking to recently and and, and uh, who should get the credit for it hopefully when I can get to speak to him again i'll publicize it um but it started in in in, in Burma uh, or myanmar in Burma i think uh, of how the practice was 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 shared and uh, then commercialized and put into the west so i'm very worried about that but i'm also worried about this sense of well i'm on a spiritual path the world's injustices that's my escape from mm. it. That's how I psychologically and mentally deal with the problems all around me. And I, and I respect that as an individual, okay. But I think anyone who's practicing any spirituality of whatever degree to whatever intensity, mm. my plea, my very desperate plea is to engage with the social issues of the day, mm. climate change to injustices of inequalities of, of wealth and income. Because all the great teachers, whoever that we're learning from, would not be supportive of this, I'm pretty sure of that, you know. Yeah. I say that with, with some degree of confidence. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get that across because it's, yeah. there's, we need to act, um, yes. you know, and take part in, in civil society. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying people on a spiritual path are not doing that. But there is this tendency I've noticed over the years across the world from stuff I've seen and engagements I've had of a parallel existence, mm. you know, where it's, that can carry on. But the people that marched at Clapham Common uh, recently and the people that marched uh, or protested the vigil uh, recently against that injustice and, and remembering uh, a lady who passed away uh, tragically, and also the people who protested, uh, you know, for, for in the eighties, I think, against the, 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 you know, the CND protests against mm. the nuclear uh, weapon. It's all part of one psychic unity to me. Yes. Um, so yeah, I hope. I hope. Yes. That's what I hope. That's my next step. Yes. Continue to hope. Okay.
0: Thank you, Misha. I think think we will leave it there. But thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's been fascinating. And. You never know, we may do this again. Bless you. Namaste. You. We've come to the end of The Path for today. If you'd like to support the podcast by sponsoring it, please get in touch. Or you can visit our website, com or our Patreon or Facebook page. For Walking the Path, see you next time.